Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. And you can smell the croissant cooking, and we have a uh, hot, fresh cafe au lait sitting in front of us. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Fra Tom Mulligan. We're on pilgrimage. Good morning, Deacon Jeff. I'm so excited to, to be here with you, um, Fra Tom, and this is a great place to be if you're going to make a pilgrimage. This is my energizer. Yeah. I don't it gets you going I, for the whole year, doesn't it? It does. I don't, I don't really get a vacation time, but I do find that... This time away is my energizer. You know, it's interesting. Uh, when I uh, have taken vacations, when you when you plan them out and you do the Disney thing or whatever you decide, your family go to the beach or whatever, I always find I'm way more um, tired <laughs> at the yes. end of the vacation. But well, this is different. You said this is an yes. energizer. Well, this is an energizer, but at the same time, I find that... Um, it's it's a very emotional experience, yeah. And I think that reason is because I've returned home with experiences of so many different kinds of healings, mm. um, emotional healings, better understanding of a person's illness, acceptance by a caregiver. That um, I think that each one of these different kinds of um, healings are. To me, um, the kinds of stories that I like to return home with, they continue to build up my spirit during the course of the year, and I think that it's also a message that we bring home. Well, this beautiful little hamlet in in France is is the the site and the source of many 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 healings throughout the years. Absolutely. Since the, well, we have a great guest. Yes, we, we do. We, when we're talking about this idea of healing and whatever we well, we bring a doctor in here. So we have uh, Dr. Bob Springer. We want to just call you Bob. Is that what we want to go by? Or Sure. Yeah, very good. Because if I call you doctor, then you've got to send me a bill, right? Is that yeah, what you like? <laughs> Oh, I suppose. <laughs> so, Bob, it's wonderful that you're here. You're a radiologist from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and you're practicing radiology there in Lancaster, right? That's exactly right. So it's interesting that when I met you, I overheard you talking about some of the medical miracles, and so you've had you've been able to look into some of these files, or at least look at um, some archival kind of stuff, or see some exhibits that discuss that. Your speciality is radiology, but it was interesting also that you'd said you actually came last year as a malad. So we got this perspective from Tom to be able to yes. see the perspective of a malad, but also a doctor who's seen some of this. So. First of all, uh, welcome to the show. Happy you're here. Thank you. And so, Bob, tell us a little bit about your experience here as a Malad. Why did you Why did you come to Lourdes? I came um, because I was invited. Mm-hmm. Um, very grateful for that opportunity. Yeah. Um, I have esophageal cancer, right. metastatic esophageal cancer, which is not a good thing to right. uh, to hear, of course. Mm. Um, and. Uh, and you you do feel sorry for yourself. You don't know why that happened to you. Right. Um, one of my best friends and colleagues for almost 30 years, um, actually for years, had been trying to get me to come to Lourdes. Right. Because uh, he and I just discussed that kind of thing. Right. And uh, one practical thing after another uh, made it not possible, I suppose. Um, 
for years and years, and then I got sick. And he said, Bob, you have to come to Lourdes. And he gave me an application, and I filled it out. And, mm. and then, and I then came. you came. Yeah. So what was your experience like when you got here? The, the one word to describe it the most is, is that you get peace. Mm. Uh, you, you see other people who are just as sick or sicker than you are, sometimes younger people. You know, you see even babies, multiple surgeries, and and then their, their young mothers taking care of. So you see all this yeah. stuff, but yeah. but you say you you had a sense of peace. Well, over the, the the experience of that week, there is such an outpouring of love um, from the people around you, uh, and then the place itself is obviously holy. You'd have to be a pretty hard-hearted person not to. I, don't, I think it just it exudes peace and, uh, and and holiness. Yeah, and so, again, while some people may come and they they might want or desire or make it known to the Lord that they would love to be physically healed in some way, so many of the people that come here still experience that peace in, in a sense that uh, they, are, they, they commune with God here and feel like, it's going to be. It's going to be all right. Whatever the outcome, maybe it's not what I would have plotted out for myself. Obviously, we hear that that diagnosis of cancer, and it changes your your whole life. Changes because it shakens you mm. when something like that happens, and you have no idea why it happened. Right. Um, but the acceptance becomes much much easier. Well. That's nice, I guess, and it's it's a step, right, in in a direction. But at the same time, you came back again this year, right? You came back to be a doctor on a team because all the teams that that get together, well, there'll be malads and companions, there'll be knights and dames, and there's always a medical staff that's assigned to each team to always make sure that the malads have the care that they need ongoing throughout the week that they're taken care of. And so you 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 came back as a doctor this time, well. The Order of Malta is a wonderful organization, and they made it possible for me to experience this grace. Mm. And it seemed the least thing I could do to come back and help this year. I think that's beautiful that you would uh, put yourself into it. Again, that's part of that love that you experienced when you got here. And it's kind of neat to be able to to receive it and then to realize that you're not supposed to just hold on to that love, Fra Tom, right? You're supposed to pour it back in. Uh, You're supposed to be a conduit for that. But it comes natural, I think, Mm -hmm. afterwards. You you just feel that um, I need to do this, and you do it. And, And it's a good thing to do. It's a very good thing to do. Amen. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. So, Bob, when, when you when you came um, and you and you knew medically, right, what was going on with you, obviously, uh, and all too well. Yeah, exactly. And we and we experienced that. But I think that um, uh, it's important because there's a lot of people that listen to the program who they believe in God, they believe, they go to church, they go to mass, they do all the things that they're supposed to do, right? They're checking off all the boxes. And and still there's a challenge, I think, in individuals to really have a deep and abiding and true faith uh, in in that, that, that with God all things are possible, right? So we hear these words like miracles and we hear those kinds of things. And so I kind of wanted to shift our focus, our discussion maybe to... So the experience of things that have actually happened here, which you've become privy to, specifically because you're a radiologist, 
first of all, tell us, you, you, you practice radiology in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. You've been doing that for quite some time now, right? Almost 30 years. Right. So you, yeah. you know what you're talking about when you look at a, an I X-ray, so, as so. it were, and you've seen all you've seen the transition going from film to digital. Oh, and, that's good you know that. Yeah, <laughs> right, that's all, very true. Right, all that stuff. And yeah. and so you, 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 you know, you've been at this a while. And uh, you were telling me as we were as we were talking uh, beforehand uh, when I just first met you, you were telling me like amazing things you'd seen, and that's what I wanted to kind of focus on next. And so, just when I have people excited to hear all of this, I'm going to take a break. <laughs> I would right. like to leave them hanging, right? Because right? yes. you want to come back after this. We're going to before well, we come to back. Tell it. Yeah, so we're going to we're going to talk about uh, what Dr. Bob Springer has to share with us. Uh, in a minute about uh, as a radiologist what's he, what he's experienced here. Uh, and uh, before we do that, I want to remind folks at home, we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I'd love to hear from you. Just give me an email. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bester Zemski, and this is another great moment in church history. In 1904, a humble religious brother named Blessed André Bassett began building a shrine in honor of St. Joseph in Montreal, Canada. Brother André was born into a family of ten children. He said his great devotion to St. Joseph came from the example of his father and the teaching of his mother. His father was a lumberjack who died in a tragic accident when André was only nine. His mother died three years later of tuberculosis, which left all ten children as orphans. When André was only 12 years old, he was forced to leave school and travel in order to find work. He wandered from job to job and eventually ended up in the United States as a textile worker. He was a diligent worker and excelled at his trade, even though he was in poor health. In 1870, he returned to Canada and applied to enter the Congregation of the Holy Cross in Montreal. With some reluctance, the superiors of the order agreed to accept him and assigned him the menial tasks in the community. Just as St. Joseph said yes to God's call and obediently consented to Christ's mission of salvation, Blessed Andre carried out his duties with a spirit of obedience and joy, even though they were the most humbling and tedious of tasks. His superiors kept a close eye on him, wondering if they had made a mistake in accepting him to the order. Brother Andre said, When I entered the community, my superior showed me the door, and I remained there for 40 years without leaving. Blessed Andre began to greet the physically and emotionally troubled who came to visit his community. For nearly 25 years, he received visitors for six to eight hours a day. His reputation for healings and cures became widespread. He did not like being known as a miracle worker. He once said, People are silly to think that I can perform miracles. It is God and St. Joseph who can heal you, not I. In today's modern culture, St. Joseph stands as a model for all Christian fathers. He emulates what it means to protect, provide, and nurture a Christian family. Knowing this, Brother Andre said, When you invoke St. Joseph, you don't have to speak much. You know your Father in Heaven knows what you need. Well, so does his friend, St. Joseph. Today, the Shrine to St. Joseph, built by Brother Andre, is now a magnificent basilica that thousands of pilgrims visit each year. They come seeking the same healing and renewal thousands received from Blessed Andre during his life. I'm Bess Drozimski, and this is another great moment in church history. 
Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting here with Fra Tom Mulligan, and we are talking to Dr. Bob Springer, who's a radiologist from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And I'm saying it's Lancaster, the way you Lancaster. Lancaster. Yeah, see. Lancaster. Yeah, yes. down, d- down south we'd say Lancaster. And then you'd say, you're from down south, aren't you? What? Well, um, so Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and you're a radiologist there. So here's what I want to I want to kind of focus on the rest of the show, and that is you, you, we hear all these things about miracles and things like that. People say, I don't believe in miracles, or I just don't see them anymore. But a lot of, a lot of us, like if I were to look at an x-ray, I, 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 I can kind of see, well, that's the shape of a bone, or that's, you know, I can kind of generally see what's going on. But I'm always amazed that people can look at things and go, well, that's this and this, and all of a sudden they have this very uh, detailed description of what's up there and I go well that didn't I can't see that but you can see all that stuff can't you that's your job right that's my job and I'm glad you're good at it and I'm glad there's people that are good at it so tell me about your experience with what you've seen here at Lourdes and why that's and why that's so profound to you I'm happy to do that um I knew when I came here that there was a medical bureau Mm -hmm. and I knew that they had kept careful records for for many years um it's open to the public, and there are exhibits, and, and every day there are people um, walking through there, um, some spending a lot of time. If you're um, a medical person, a physician, nurse, uh, you can sign up, and um, they will actually give you a, uh, a whole notebook right. full of very detailed uh, dossier on, on, on people uh, who came here and... Um, had things that many people might say are miracles. Right, that's AKA miracle, right? Some, yeah. Something that is inexplicable to a medical person who knows the drill, who knows, for instance, you would have seen, uh, uh, you know, you, you would see uh, an x ray and you'd say, well, I, I can look at this and tell you that it doesn't look good. There's problems that, that this Worse is not than that. terrible diagnosis. There's no prognosis, prognosis is awful. Right. Right, you've seen. You can see that instantly. I may not be able to see it, but you can. I have seen that. Right, but then you've seen follow-up X-rays. Right there, there are cases um, which are in the files here, in which I didn't know when I came here that it would be so startling. In which you look at as a radiologist, I look at these X-rays which are preserved, and I just you're. It's the kind of thing that you desperately do not want to see in your practice from day to day. When you see those first x-rays. It's just right. heartrending when you see this, this sort of thing. Okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, people, I can remember one case in which a young man's pelvis, had about a third of it had been eaten away by a tumor. And it's just, to a radiologist, yeah. with any experience, it is just as obvious as the nose on your face. Right. Um, when you look at the x-rays, it's, it's a horrible, horrible, horrible disease. Not only do they have x-rays uh, here in, at the Medical Bureau, but they have what are called photomicrographs, which are uh, color pictures of the pathologic slides which were taken at the time. And although we have CAT scans, we have ultrasounds, we have MRIs these days, the basic old x-rays uh, from 30 years ago, 40 years ago, really have not changed that much. Mm-hmm. And those things are still perfectly uh, visible um, to, to the trained eye, as are um, the, the slides from the microscopic pathology, which was done. And 
between the two of them, you realize that this poor young man had an absolutely terrible tumor. The doctors at the time very correctly told him that there was nothing they could do for him. And after a while, he came to Lourdes. And then, in the medical bureau, there are x-rays from two years after, from five years after, from ten years after. For the same young man. The same young man. And you can see and, even and in the latter ones that it is the same young man. You, it's not like they brought in, no, you know, Fra no, Tom and said, we're going to... Yeah. And, and the pelvis is healed. Not absolutely perfectly healed, but... Um, it's healed very nicely, um, and these are con- these are conditions which we still have no good therapy for. Right, and and the same situation would. And in other words, they, uh, uh, that diagnosis at the beginning, they would still have that same prognosis of this is not going to go well. He's going to die, um, unless something happens, which is medically inexplicable, and that right. is what the panels. Um, there are panels convened on on these cases of doctors. Uh, some doctors of faith and then atheists, um, and and they they very carefully uh, look at all the evidence, and they will say if what happened is medically explicable or medically inexplicable, and the cases which are pronounced to be medically inexplicable are indeed, in my opinion, um, my educated opinion, not explicable. Yeah, see, that's why I wanted to get you on here, because there's a lot of folks that think there's just no more miracles this day and age. And you probably think differently, though, right, Bob? I mean, after having seen this. Well, I do. Yeah. There's one more feature, too, now, that the medical bureau is extremely tough in declaring something inexplainable. And if somebody has been undergoing medication or treatments, um, oftentimes those cases are... Uh, could be viewed, well, maybe it had something to do with the medication or the treatment that they were going through, and those cases are no longer considered inexplainable. It's possible that it could be something else. And yet, at the same time, are you going to argue with a person who can leave their crutches behind or who doesn't need a breathing machine any longer? Um, To that person, I think that they are quite satisfied with the fact that something very special has happened here. No, you're right, Tom. There are many people, and Bob, we've all had the history of watching, uh, you know, television shows, and you see these people jump out of a wheelchair and whatever because some man touched his forehead or whatever, and you see that, and there's instantly doubt, right? We all will look Mm -hmm. at that, and as skeptics, we're taught to be skeptics. We we would say, all right, I don't know that person, I don't know their history, and they could have, they could be actors, and and maybe many, many, many of them are. And so I I look at those situations skeptically. skeptically. But Bob, you're a doctor of thirty years, a radiologist, and you you looked at these things and you said, look, this is not, this is inexplicable. This is not I, something. I'm extremely skeptical, and those the cases which the panels of doctors have declared to be medically inexplicable are, I agree. That's all I can say. I agree that they are not explicable, and and these are these are mm. cases, um, as you brought out, um, in which there was no treatment because right. the doctors at the time very properly said that that any treatment would really not help the patient, right. and that's one one of your duties, of course, is not not to push treatment which will do no good. Right. Um, and, and so I'm I'm in total agreement with the doctors at the time, and and actually these conditions cannot be treated even now. 
not with any great success. And even though things have changed medically, right, there are some things that they can help well, with sure. now. No, no, but you're looking many at the conditions. ones where you look at this and go, look, there's nothing yeah. that can be done about right, this. Right. These are small cell tumors. We have a little bit of chemotherapy, which may help a little bit. But, but it's certainly not so gonna, widespread as this, right. not, not going to do it. And there's no way that that little bit of help is even going to have anything close to the outcome that you've suddenly witnessed after two years, five years, or whatever, when you see these things. That's how, the point. How, here's the thing. This is what I want to know, Bob. How does that make you feel when you see stuff like that? I mean, your own particular faith experience, what, what does that help you see? Well, I don't see how it can help but strengthen it. Mm. It's, it's great. Because there's a lot of folks, I think, who need something to believe in. Well, I'm lucky because I, I have it. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Well, so I think God's using you right now to help people who don't have it. And so if you're talking to a person who's saying, look, I don't know that I believe all this stuff. I, don't, I, I think I'm more like the guy watching the televangelist make somebody jump out of a wheelchair who looks like they just got shocked by an electrical outlet or whatever. You know, and I don't know if I believe that, but now I'm listening to this yeah. Dr. Bob here who has seen things that are, you know, you're a respected radiologist. It's not like the TV shows, you know, it's not for drama. You're very subtly uh, but profoundly pointing out that there are some incredible, inexplicable medical things that have happened here in this beautiful little town in France that is just really is profound. In the last 2,000 years, there's a long, long line of witnesses, of which I'm just a very minor witness, mm. but I am a witness. Mm. Amen. And so keep doing the witnessing that's so powerful. <laughs> now, when you go back, when you go back to the States, you go back to your practice, Now I know it's not appropriate necessarily to, to uh, share your faith in, in certain ways in your practice, but I know it has probably informed your practice, right? Your faith has really informed what you do and how you do it. It makes you more empathetic, of course. And it is, actually, I think it is appropriate. Um, I have shared my story with a number of patients now in the last good uh, last couple of years. Um, it helps some people. You have to you have to pick and choose. Sure. Um, but it definitely helps some people to know that their doctor has maybe been through something similar. Mm. Um, and. Uh, well, we are so happy that you would come and share with us a uh, very personal story, but then at the same time to be able to help us to sort of start to medically see. Because, Fatima, mm-hmm. you know, obviously the idea of the miracle is something that everyone thinks is like this faith thing. And, and, and again, uh, it is, right? A true yes. miracle is, is, is an article of faith, but at the same time, we're, we're all doubters. We want proof. We want, uh, we want science to point this out and... Uh, we want to see it with our own eyes, and we're like doubting Thomas. We want to put our fingers in Jesus' side, right? I hear about it all the time with, based on my name. But, um, yes, too, many, too often as uh, people are always doubting, and I think that um, there really is something to be said for what happens here. And whether it's an inexplainable um, occurrence where someone is totally cured or... Um, leaving here in a situation that is entirely entirely reversing what they arrived with. Or, again, it's all of those healings, and there are probably thousands of healings that go on here during the course of a person's pilgrimage. 
Yeah, and there's several times that we've I've had personal experiences with people who had a very very difficult diagnosis, very difficult situation, very poor prognosis. Uh, in fact, we had one lovely lady that we were on pilgrimage with who just had I mean literally the time of her life here. Mm-hmm. Right? She was with her husband. She was here, and she was just full of energy. And she was she had such a beautiful time. She renewed her wedding vows here. Forty nine years of of marriage. Uh, and she basically went back home, got off the airplane, and she never got back out of bed. And she, was, she, had, she had gone to be with the Lord within a couple of weeks of that. And the reality is she was miraculously just her faith was just on fire. She was a beacon of hope and of peace to everyone around her. Uh, and uh, just a lovely woman and had a lovely experience. And yet her healing, as you've said, is, was, it wasn't the kind that you'd look at x-rays and see that kind of a physical healing. But a spiritual healing is so profound and so beautiful. And she was an agent of healing, if, and if, you, a, can, yes. if you want to say it in that respect. It radiated I, from her. I have, a, a, <laughs> I have multiple stories on, on things such as yeah. that, and it's just amazing as to what some uh, story about another person in turn energizes or really fills another person's uh, faith experience. And that's so powerful, and that's so profound. And I am so excited that uh, that we've had this opportunity to talk about this because a lot of people, you know, Bob will look at, uh, you know, their life and say, well, I don't have much faith, so I guess I can't have a miracle. You know, at the same time, it's just interesting how some people perceive that, and yet then to know that there's ways that, you know, your reason, the science, and it can inform your faith, and your faith can inform your reason to see that connect- connection uh, we remember the, the famous encyclical Fides et Ratio, faith and reason that came from uh, Pope St. John Paul II. How beautiful that is to understand that faith and reason go hand in hand, right? There's this great belief, but it's also neat when we can see the, the radiological evidence, right? It's a privilege to, to have the knowledge to be able to put those things together. And it's been a privilege to talk to you, uh, Dr. Bob Springer from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, a radiologist. Thanks so much for sharing your story and sharing your time here on the French Catholic Cafe. Thanks for inviting me. Tell you what, we're going to close in prayer. We're in Lourdes. Let's offer a Hail Mary for all those who are on pilgrimage, for all those who are sick. You know, let's just pray that God uh, offers a time of healing and we'll ask for Our Lady's intercession. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and in the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. For more information, visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You'll find many links to Catholic resources on the web. You can also listen to previous shows online, download MP3s, or take advantage of our podcast feature. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.